Well, welcome to Q&A. We are so glad that you decided to join us. And if you have questions from today's service, the number's up on the screen. Text them in. We would love the opportunity uh, to receive those questions and answer those this morning. So definitely encourage you to do that. We have some that have already come in, okay. came in during the service, so we can get running. All right. Um, so you talked about thankfulness. This oh. question has to do with that. Where does sharing struggles with others fit in with being thankful always? Oh, that's... That's a great question. question. All right. So if I'm sharing a struggle, is that complaining Mm -hmm. and therefore not being thankful? Uh, I think that we can uh, share struggles in different ways. That's true. Um, (laughs) You know, sometimes it it may be the uh, parallel is sometimes we can gossip in the name of prayer request. Mm -hmm. And sometimes Mm -hmm. we can grumble in the name of sharing struggle. But that doesn't mean automatically that prayer request or gossip is gossip or that sharing struggles is right. grumbling. So right. I think it's the the um, place, if you will, from which you come in the sharing of that struggle, meaning this. Uh, trials are not fun. Struggles are not fun. Right. Uh, so don't misunderstand. I'm not saying they're fun. But the scripture says, without hesitation, they are good mm-hmm. because they are the path and the means through which God does work good in our life. And so I think I can share a struggle that uh, how life may be hard or circumstance may be difficult And I can do it from a perspective that I'm not shaking my fist at God. I'm not saying, where's God in this or God has abandoned me. I think I can be honest about uh, I am discouraged or I'm feeling overwhelmed or I feel like I'm sinking. I think those are honest things. I think the Psalms reflect godly people sharing honest feelings, but from a conclusion that you see in the Psalms of, but the Lord is my stronghold and the Lord is my good shepherd and the Lord is the one in whom I will trust. Uh, I believe that he's working all things together for good. I believe that trials build character and character gives hope. And I think that he's maturing me. So um, I would never think that you can't share hard things with folks because that would be considered grumbling. It doesn't have to be that way at all. So be honest about the hard, not only the reality of the hard, but the impact the hard is having Mm -hmm. on you. Do it in a manner that acknowledges I'm holding on to the Lord, trying to hold on to the Lord, pray that I'll hold on to the Lord as he's promised to hold on to me. So I, I think that's that's a difference that can be real. Mm-hmm. But one thing that came to mind is you hear the term venting. Yeah. Oftentimes, where does that fit into? Um, <clears throat> venting often is a an excuse for sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and when I say that, I'll have, I'll have people go, oh, I, I mean, I just, 
I just let them have it. I vented. In other words, I said things that weren't true. I said it in an ungodly manner, but I put a time limit on it. So it was okay. <laughs> Seriously, there's the, um, it's okay. If my venting is within a limited time period, and I guess not all venting has that, but that's usually as I experience venting or hear people talking about venting, what they're really saying is I was sinfully angry, but it was for a limited duration time, and so it's okay. And uh, if that's how you're using venting, then I don't think that pleases the Lord. So if you use venting as an expression of, hey, I was sharing what's hard in my life and sharing it from a perspective of, but I believe the Lord is working or I'm asking the Lord to help me see that he's working in that. That's different. So it's all the foundation from which uh, we vent, if you will. But usually when I hear venting, that means uh, I just lost self-control for a while, but it was okay because it wasn't for long. Right. It was just a limited time. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Our next question. Are you saying that a person cannot be an heir if they are in habitual sin? Is habitual sin a sign that a person has not been saved to begin with? Yeah. Yeah. I certainly expected um, Romans 6 says, shall we continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How should we die to sin still live in it? Or, and uh, I'm quoting it, so that's why I'm not turning to it. Or, do you not know? So it is possible that a person has been born again. They are still in a habitual sin in their life. They're continuing. But it's because they don't know who they are in Christ, what they have done, what has been done for them in Christ, and the power of the resurrection power within them that they're no longer slaves to sin. And that the process of growing is learning to now consider myself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, verse 11. Even so, do that and then present your bodies. So, is it possible that a person is enslaved and they don't know. Yes, that is possible. But if a person knows, they've been taught, mm-hmm. they've, the scripture has been shared with them, and there remains an enslavement to that sin, then I think one of two things will happen. Either the Lord will discipline, because the Lord disciplines his children at that's not, uh, it's because he loves us. Or it will be revealed that I can't change because I'm still a slave to sin. Mm. I'm enslaved mm-hmm. because I still am a slave to sin. Uh, uh, it's habitual because I do not yet have Holy Spirit resurrection power to change. So, my counsel to a person who um, is enslaved to a habitual sin would be if you have trusted, if you go, yeah, but I've trusted in Jesus, I go, well, I'm not going to try to uh, evaluate the sincerity of that past moment. I would invite them to say, declare to the Lord in this moment, Lord, 
I believe in you, in your death, burial, and resurrection. Your death to save me from sin and the penalty of sin. Your burial that that my guilt has been taken away and your resurrection so that I could walk in newness of life. Knowing who I am in Christ, I want to walk in that. So I never try to figure out the sincerity of someone's past words. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity. If the Lord's given breath, it's an opportunity to declare, to declare in the current, present, meaningful words, not empty words. Right. So uh, is it possible? Sure. If it's possible, they're not born again or that they are born again and they haven't known. Romans 6. In either case, I'm going to say, if you want to walk in newness of life, declare your trust in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Um, so continuing here, uh, yeah. if a person is unchanged and God is the one who changes, remove veils, softens the hearts, then what is a person to do? Ah. Has God not chosen them? Uh, okay, that, I didn't expect that last sentence. Mm-hmm. So read it to me again, please. Sure. Um, if a person is unchanged and God is the one who changes, remove veils, softens the heart, then what is a person to do? Then the second question is, has God not chosen them? Um, That seems to be two different questions Mm -hmm. to me. I never try to figure out if someone, if God has chosen someone. When they are born again, I go, God chose them. And I appreciate the person, I'm not sure off the top of my head who it was, who said, the more people I share the gospel with and who respond to the gospel, I discover God has chosen. (laughs) So uh, I don't figure, I don't try to figure out if God has chosen someone. So maybe that's the second second question first. First question, uh, what's a person to do? What's the personal what's the personal responsibility to uh, the promise God changes us and so um, here is I'm going to go back to Romans 6 and if if um, continuing in sin is a real struggle in your life especially in a particular area I will always encourage someone to memorize Romans chapter 6 because that's what this chapter deals with. If you think 1 Corinthians 13 deals with love, Romans chapter 6 deals with no longer the born-again believer not continuing in sin. And so the first 10 verses talk about what Christ has done, death, burial, and resurrection, and our identification with him. That's what God has done. Verse 11 gets to what's my part. Verse 11, even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's what verse 11 says. So uh, where's my little nursery dresser? (laughs) I need the mini dresser. (laughs) If you can think of the dresser we've had on stage. When I'm born again, what's my responsibility? To renew my mind. Mm-hmm. Renew my mind. Be in the scriptures so that I am thinking the new thoughts of who I am in Christ. Count it. It's a, 
It's a financial term there in Romans 6.11. Count it, like see the ledger has been changed. I used to be dead in my sin, uh, dead to God, and, and alive to sin, if you will. And therefore, dead in it because I'm dead to God. When I place faith in Christ, I'm identified with him in death, burial, and resurrection. So I think a new thought. I change the ledger. What's true of me now? I am dead to sin, but I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus. I have to think new thoughts to then. Next step, my next responsibility, verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Here's my point. Sin or desire, sinful desire needs a body to express it. What this text is saying is this body used to be enslaved to those desires. It is no longer. I am freed, verse 6, from slavery to sin. I'm alive to God. I think new thoughts, and therefore, I do new presenting. Where I used to present my body, my eyes, my hands, my feet, my mouth, to the desires of my flesh— so that I could vent, <laughs> to say, so I could just say what I wanted to say, look at what I want to look at, do what I want to do, go where I want to go, wherever my desire, whatever my desire wanted. I literally presented the members of this body to be instruments mm-hmm. to fulfill that desire. But I'm not a slave to that anymore. Instead, I'm alive to God. And the Spirit of God now dwells in me, and He has given me new desire. But I have to act on that. How? By literally saying, no, these eyes are now for righteousness, holiness, for seeing needs, so that these hands can meet needs. I present, and Tracy, you would know this, almost every time when we pray together as a staff, a couple times a week, I will close our prayers with, we consider ourselves dead to sin, and Lord, we now present our bodies and the members of them to be instruments of righteousness this day. So it's not a once a day thing. It's a over and over. I learn that this mouth is now has a new master. Mm-hmm. I still have sinful desire, but I'm not a slave to those desires. So I present my mouth now to be an instrument of God instead of an instrument of my own flesh. That's my responsibility. I consider myself to be who I am now in Christ, and then I take the next step, and I present this physical body and the members of it to the Lord on a constant basis. That's why Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Faith says what? I admit I still have sinful desires, but Christ has made me do. The Spirit lives in me, so I present myself to do what he's called me to do, believing he'll give me everything I need, that he'll fulfill his promise, that the Holy Spirit has strengthened me for everything pertaining to life and godliness.
So God is doing the work. I couldn't do it in myself. My cooperation with what God has promised to do is to renew my mind and present my body. Maybe too many words, but I hope you heard the answer. (laughs) That's such a great reminder and true. It's, It's a daily reminder that he has provided everything we need to do everything he's called us to do. He's not left us in a lurch. And right. a difficult situation, I mean, not that situations are difficult, but he's provided what we need to be successful in what he's called us to do. And it's just a huge encouragement, yeah. that regular provision. Yeah, and, and that's for the good. When temptation comes, and it's and as a believer, a maturing believer, I'm still tempted. Right. Mm-hmm. I say to myself in those moments, fight. Fight, not according to my strength, but the power of God in me. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So there is a fight that, no, Mm -hmm. that's not who I am. That's the fight. Uh, So it's not fight. It's fight, fight. I renew my mind, and I present my body to do not what my desire is screaming for in the moment of temptation, but what I know to be the will of God in that moment of temptation. So that's the fight. Yes. It's not passive, it's active. It is very active, yes, yeah. <laughs> moment by moment. Um, where does grace and forgiveness come into play here if a true heir is stuck in sin? Um, where does grace and forgiveness come into play? Um, I don't know if perhaps that's in a relationship. Yeah, the... Yeah, wow, don't don't take don't take this idea that an heir doesn't continue in old ways, meaning an heir is now perfect. Right. Um mm-hmm. we're far from perfect. We will continue to wrestle with uh temptation and not just wrestle with it. There'll be times where we lose to temptation, whether it's in action or in our head or in our motive. So where does grace and forgiveness come in? (laughs) We confess when, see, this is what's helped me anyway. It helped me to realize when I confess to the Lord, I'm not just saying I did something wrong, Lord. Mm. I'm saying, ultimately, I think this is more true of confession. Lord, I was not who you made me to be in that moment. It was uh, against my identity. It wasn't just a wrong behavior. It was I, I put on something that didn't fit, and I responded to an old name. Uh, and there's the pattern of that, you know, when we first come to Christ. Well, when you move and you leave work and you used to go left and now you're supposed to go right because you moved, Sometimes you still go left still go out of left. habit. Yes, right. the muscle memory. Right. And so there's a learning of that now. So if I ever take a left when now I'm supposed to go right, am I like, oh, maybe not an heir? No, I'm learning to live mm-hmm. as an heir. So I need constant grace and forgiveness from God. And I hope I give grace and forgiveness to others 
as they seek to grow. It, where grace and forgiveness fits is where there's confession and repentance. Uh, and don't miss what I just said there. Where there's content, habitual sin, continuing sin, and there's not grace, and there's not confession and repentance, that's when you go, is there genuine, is this person a genuine heir mm-hmm. or not? Um, you know, Matthew 18 talks about if a person sin, go and confront them in love and gentleness. Mm-hmm. And if they repent, you've won your brother. If they don't, go two or three. And if they don't, tell it to the church. And then the scripture says, and if they don't listen even to the church, like can't imagine that a genuine heir would not listen to the church, then treat them as an unbeliever. And I think part of that is they may be simply a professing person who's not genuinely born again. So where does grace and forgiveness fit? Fits every day in my life. I need grace and forgiveness because Though I am made new, I am far from perfect. Uh, the psalm says, uh, because God is gracious, let all who are godly find him. <laughs> In other words, though we're made godly, we still sin. We still need grace and forgiveness. So let confession and repentance be the continual part of our life. Absolutely. Sorry, we're out of time, I know. That was perfect. It was, <laughs> it was a good response. Made it just a time. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And we hope you have a fantastic day.